Hello, and welcome to Survivor Social, the Survivor podcast where we discuss Survivor with a focus on the social elements of the game. My name is David, and I'm joined by the incomparable Pegwe. And today we are joined by a fellow old school Survivor fan, a fellow lover of Helen Glover, I did some digging, and the co-host of Drop Your Buffs, Sean Ross. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is my first time on a Survivor podcast that is not my own. So, wow, what an experience. Yeah. We're so happy with us. thank 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 you for choosing us. And I see you're representing Toronto with your Erica sweater. Oh yeah, I'm a huge Eric. I love Erica. I I'm a huge Erica fan, so gotta gotta wear that as much as possible. I have to say it's wild. I live in Toronto, and I live, as far as I know, in Erica's neighborhood. I have never seen her. Everybody I know who doesn't even watch Survivor, they're like, "Oh, I saw Erica here. I saw Erica there." Like everybody <laughs> knows who Erica is. She's a local celebrity. Never once seen her. <laughs> That's What's so funny. That? She's actively yeah. avoiding me, it sounds like. Yeah. She, <laughs> she probably is. <laughs> she's learned your patterns on a day-to-day basis. And she's like, well, you're going to be here then. You're going to be at that place then. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll force you guys to meet at some point. And mm-hmm. it'll be great. Yeah. But uh, anyway, before we start, make sure to like and subscribe to Survivor Now on YouTube and Spotify. And if you have any hot takes of your own that you would like to be heard here on the podcast, then drop us an email at survivorsocialpod at gmail.com. Uh, speaking of which, we got some awesome listener questions. Brandon O asks, in Survivor One World, Kat cries during her final words, saying, I left before Christina and Tarzan. Are you kidding? I'm so embarrassed. Who would you, each of you say that about if you were booted before them on Survivor? On this season? Let's just go any season. That, you, you, there's a lot of people you could say. Like, yeah. if we're talking one world, I left before Colton. <laughs> That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. Honestly, my first thought is Willard. I feel like Willard <laughs> did not want to be there in the first place. Confusing with the immunity idol of Palau half the time. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Willard. I don't know. I think it's just like going, like, I, I'm not a huge Russell Hans fan. Uh, and especially, you know, now after the fact, like now that like he's played so many times, I think I would probably go like, I'm leaving before Russell. Are you kidding me? I'm hated that much. Like, that's kind of how I would feel, maybe. A lot of people have left Russell. before Russell. I know, I know. But see... Not not since he's not since heroes versus yeah. villains. You yeah. know what I mean? So I feel oh, like yeah. now, if I was in a season now with Russell, I'd be like, guys, really? Before Russell? Ugh. I think Russell could do well if he came back. I really do. I've really I like I, I know he's an awful person, just like inside and outside of the game, but I've really been thinking about villains on Survivor and the lack of villains in the new era. Like you look at Danny in 44 and he's probably the closest we've had to a villain in a while where and it, he's not even villainous. He's just outspoken and he kind of says like like in this episode with Heidi where he says, uh, you know, we don't even need you to his number one ally. Uh, yeah. Like that's a little villainous. And I feel like I feel like we need that a little bit. And so I do think that if Russell came back, I feel like people wouldn't be worried about him because they wouldn't think that he would get votes in the end as he hasn't twice. And I feel like I feel like he could coast on that a little bit. I think that's a really good point. I, I also 
totally agree with the like the lack of villains in seasons. And the thing that I always say whenever anyone talks about this is I always think that we need I want I want there to be more chaos, not like not like manufactured chaos by the by the producers, but like people who don't really know or understand the game to the level that everyone who's currently playing does. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that we need to recruit, go back to like when we did fans versus favorites and there was actually only one fan that was like on fans versus favorites. You know what I mean? But like, I do think having a couple people, maybe like Keith, you know, like on the season, who's just like, doesn't know, like are are just there. I kind of sometimes think that we need that because I think that would bring in a little bit more chaos. And I'm always here for chaos slash villains, you know? I have a hot take on this. I actually think they do need to recruit. Yeah. I think they need to recruit. And I don't care if they know Survivor or not. And you look at Australian Survivor where 75% of the cast doesn't really know what show they're on. And... I think it works because you find really interesting people and it kind of doesn't matter that they don't know how to play the game. Some of them learn how to play the game and that's really exciting to watch because when you just get all of these like really, really game body people, you don't get the social drama, I think, which is what I love so much about Survivor. And even in this season, which I'm really, really enjoying this season, I mean, all of the camp scenes we get, they're just hanging out all together and everybody's kind of getting along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm missing that element of chaos, we can call it, or interpersonal drama or whatever it is. And I think that you get that when you cast people who like don't necessarily care about Survivor that much. Uh, I think they're a little more loosey-goosey socially. That's a really good point. I completely agree. And we've also seen some really big success stories from individuals who don't have a huge history of loving Survivor. Earl Cole comes to mind immediately of someone who was recruited did not have much exposure to the game and then almost won with a perfect game. So it's possible. Parvati yeah. Shallow. Mm-hmm. Courtney Yates came in second place in China. Didn't want to be there for a second. Mm-hmm. Sean from um, uh, uh, Vesepia season. I, I think I brought this up in the last podcast, but it's my favorite fun fact where he was like, he talked on talking with T-Bird and uh, there he was talking and he was saying like, yeah, I thought that it was fake. And like, we were going to be taken to a hotel and the first night we had to sleep. I was like, where, where's my hotel? And I just like, he obviously like, didn't, he didn't know he was an actor and he got recruited and all this stuff. And I love, I love Sean. So like, I, um, I think that they need to bring it back. I think, you know, if it's, I always say, if it's the same thing, if it's predictable, it becomes less interesting. I think diversity is one of the most important things in Survivor, just because if the same player is playing against themselves over and over and over and over and over again, that's not good television. And like, while Survivor is a game, it's also a TV show that has to be interesting. And I don't think adding in a bunch of random things, which hasn't been happening so much in the post-merge, but like adding in a bunch of random like votes and blah, blah, blahs or whatever they are, are what makes the show interesting. What makes it so interesting and good is that interpersonal social uh, watching people from different walks of life get along. And that still kind of happens, but it's just, it's not the exact same. Like the only fight that I can think about in the last four seasons, which is probably not true, was like when Owen and Jane mm-hmm. had that little tiny, small little blow up. And that was it. Like, yeah. obviously I don't think that was it, but it's not that, I don't know. 
I don't know. But I, I totally agree with you on, on, on this whole combo. There's too much so- social grace. There's too much self-awareness, in my opinion. And I also think that there's a flaw, perhaps, in the casting in the sense that everyone needs to be liked to be cast on the current seasons. And I think, for example, I remember Johnny Fairplay was absolutely hated in his interviews with Jeff Probst, and he grossed him out. Like, he put something on his hand that looked like crap. I don't remember what it was, but he shook Jeff Probst's hand, and he thought he was it was disgusting, and he said to Mark Burnett, like, we're never going to put him on this show. I hate him. And Mark Burnett said, like, this is the reason we need him. And I agree. We need some people to root against. And as you were saying, Sean, like, Danny is a little irksome. He's outspoken, but he's definitely not a villain. But he's the best we got, which is a little sad. But... Yeah, yeah. And I and I told here's the, the last thing little thing I'll say about this is like I also think that it's important for people not to just be like villainized for the sake of being villainized, right? So like I I think of like Jerry who got booed off stage, uh, what was it during All Stars, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing, and especially now with so social media and all that stuff, it can really take a toll on somebody. And so I'm not saying to like. Like we, I like, I think like when Danny, we had got his whole story with his kid and all that stuff and his jujitsu and all that stuff, still tell that story of the people who causes chaos to make sure that we can still kind of, you know, we're not like maliciously coming after them, but like, you know, it kind of makes it a little bit more interesting that, oh, it's a real person who's still, I'm still rooting against this real person, but you know, it, it kind of like humanizes them a little bit and it makes it a little bit more, I don't know interesting because then we can kind of see where they're coming from but we can still you know not like them you know what i mean totally good point we'll have lots of time to talk about danny so we'll put this on pause we'll go to our next question and then after this question we'll jump into our analysis of the episode the next question comes from kaylee a and she says what would it take for you to completely rory freeman uh, to complete rory freeman's plot to burn down a tribe camp This is a, this is a very <laughs> unique question. Honestly, I'm, I'm just going to say it's probably going to take a lot for me to burn down the forest. One, I study forests in my job. Second of all, I talked to David Wright and he said just the change in the ecosystem and the forests itself from season 33 to season 38 was tremendous. The forest had deteriorated a lot. Oh. And as a forest scientist, that makes me very hesitant to um, ever potentially cause more damage, but I don't know what it would take. (laughs) I would love to burn down a camp. (laughs) 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 Like, you think of those iconic moments, like Jatia pouring the rice in the fire. You think of, um, is it Jane in Nicaragua? Mm -hmm. Uh, Putting the fire out. There's an environmentally friendly way to lash out. Put the fire out. Don't start the fire. Uh, but, you know, I really miss when they would burn down the camp at the at the end, like in the final three, which was probably more of a controlled situation. Um, but I, I don't know. I do love a little chaos. And so probably not much. It probably wouldn't take much. Um, but I think it's really like if you know you're going home, like in those situations, uh, if you know you're going home and there's nothing you can do about it, I don't mind a little lashing out. I love that. I, I feel like it would take quite a bit. I'm I'm one of those people who kind of just like smiles and like pushes down my pain until I until I get behind closed doors and then I like cry. So 
<laughs> like rather than I'm more of a waterworks type of person than like a fire. I am a, I'm a water sign. So I think that it's more of a, I would, you know, do something rather than like with like crying or just like her, cut, or coming into a ball and like not talking to anybody versus like lashing out. I would be much less interesting television. Hmm. Well, I suggest that you play a season of Survivor with a descendant of Butch Lockery so that they can collect lots of firewood firewood, and only accidentally burn yeah. the fire. Yeah. yeah, if I were to burn down the camp, I certainly wouldn't like bring the log over in front of it. It would be it would, it would be like a passive burning down because I don't, I'm not good with like conflict. So it would be passive, but it would be like, in my mind, I got I got one over on them, but at the end of the day, nobody's like going to confront me about burning down the camp. I feel like I would rather steal somebody's shoes or like sure. do, assignments, do assignment where I would like take somebody's hat and like, yeah. like the, the way he did that at tribal where he like burned it. Like that's kind of more my speed, but also not really. I would still probably not do that. <laughs> now I would say that my dream is this footage will be played years from now after one of the three of us has been on Survivor <laughs> and has burned down a camp. <laughs> meditation before and after that's the goal would would either of you play survivor mm-hmm. absolutely you is this like are you auditioning i have i i did not hear back uh i take that as a personal uh slight against me and my life and so i've actually decided to boycott the show okay. um no i'm just kidding but i have auditioned. <laughs> okay so goodbye that's all i will say on that subject. Uh, I used to think that I would play. I've changed my mind on it. I think that... I think the game would have to change a little bit for me to want to play again. I think some of the things that, like, made me want to play don't exist anymore. Uh, And that's kind of sad, but also, like, I'm I'm getting old. Like, I don't... (laughs) The older I get, like, the less I want to be outside, period, let alone, like, outside camping. Um, But... I don't know. I do like the idea of like the social game of voting people out. I, I'm really into that idea. And so for that reason, like I would love to play the traitors, mm-hmm. but maybe not Survivor. I love the traitors. I would totally do the traitors or the mole. Oh, I would love to do the mole. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love those shows so much. Cause it gives you a little bit of a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um and I feel like it's like I there are days that I'll play Among Us even to this day, like until like three or four a.m., uh, which is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Um, but I love Among Us, and I'm, essentially Traders is just Among Us. Yeah. Among Us, and the Mole is just Among Us. So, yeah. like, I'm here for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't play until three a.m. I'm not even sure I've ever played Among Us. That being said, let's get into this episode. We can discuss that later. I know it's probably a travesty, right? It's, it is. I, I understand the phenomenon. Like, I see the plushes of the Among Us characters in stores, and I'm like, what's this? And my boyfriend has to explain it to me. And I'm like, <laughs> anyway, I, I like, I know that it's supposed to be important. And I'm supposed to know it. But that ship has sailed, right? Like, this it's isn't old. like a super current thing anymore, is it? Yeah, it's People okay. play it all the time. But I feel well, like the peak was during, like, the height of the pandemic, right? Sure. Okay, okay. But it's still fun. I don't want to feel like curmudgeon at 24. All right. Next. <laughs> Episode starts. And we're back from Tribal. And we see what I think is very good gameplay right off the bat from Carson. Throwing Kane's body under the bus. 
so hard under the bus telling her, uh, telling Jamie that Kane was the one telling people about her idol and person was really part of the problem but I think this is good gameplay by him and I think Jamie says something to the effect of well I don't trust him now but I know I love that I loved that moment from Jamie so much because there's been so much just clueless content from Jamie and I feel like they've really hyped up the stuff about the fake idol I mean her talking about the fake idol thinking that it's real and then putting in her Chiron that it's fake and sort of like poking fun of her that way but this was so much more subtle and yet so much more effective for me because it was literally say oh well I know I can't trust him now and it's like yeah sweetheart he's not in the game to trust <laughs> like what when, when, when is this are you talking like the real world because unless you're going to Saskatoon I don't think it's going to be an issue <laughs> that's so funny I honestly didn't put all that together I kind of thought I didn't know what I thought but I didn't put all that that she was talking about Kane that's hysterical yeah. I don't know when this whole moment happened personally I am worried that that lie is because that's something that people can corroborate if Carson was the one that was telling people that Kane or that Jamie had an idol the people that Carson was telling are still in the game though you know what I mean so while that he's throwing Kane under the bus yeah, Kane can't defend himself, but then if Jamie goes to Lauren or to Franny or to anybody and is like, oh gosh, I can't believe Kane told you I'm my idol. And they're like, oh wait, no, Kane didn't tell me. Carson told me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like th that lie is still, like, could in theory still be unearthed because other people are still there in the game that he told that to. So that part, I think is a, it's good to kind of throw people under the bus when they're gone, it, I think when, when it was something that you did, but I don't know in this is instance that it was like the right, the right lie. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Time will tell what the ripple effects of this will be, but if it had to come from anyone, Carson seems to me the most well integrated. So hopefully that doesn't come to bite him, but we'll see. There were some ominous shots of him standing in front of a fire, among other things to make me a little weary about his path going forward. So there's been a lot of shot. There's been like, this is not even the first time. I feel like every episode there is a slow-mo shot of him at the fire, which I don't know if I'm reading too much into it, but does it, is he going to a fire at final four? Is he, Ooh. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think the editors are like that invested in <laughs> planting Easter eggs, but you never know. I, I think it's possible. It is very possible. So, Flash forward, get to this reward challenge. Challenges themselves, we can yada yada through because as as Tegwith likes to say, it's the same thing, just in different fonts. I could not agree more. But something notable, they talk about the reward and they talk about the sanctuary and Jeff doesn't just talk about the alcoholic drinks, he makes a point to talk about the virgin margaritas. And Carson gets really excited about this and I don't know why, but that just made me giggle because he just gets excited about the most random things. And on the flip side, he's not excited about certain things like cheering on Carolyn, for example. Granted, he was sick, but just oh, the huge, I don't know, dissonance between Carolyn writhing and screaming and him just being like, yes, you go. And versus him getting excited for Virgin Margaritas. I want to get inside the mind of Carson and just understand what really makes him tick. But 
Yeah, I I do feel like there is an element of it doesn't matter how Carson is feeling on any particular day. It's just the concept of Jeff standing in front of him and saying words gets him excited. Like he I think loves that's exactly Jeff. it. I think yeah. he loves Jeff a lot. I think that's exactly it. I I will say I loved this. I love that we saw a reward challenge this this episode. I really actually liked this episode. While I didn't love the outcome personally, uh, just because I, I love Franny so much. I did actually really like the episode because I and I really hope we see this if it actually ends up being 90 minutes next season. I do like the reward. I don't love the actual reward challenge. They're typically very like boring or whatever. But I do love seeing people go on reward together. I like seeing the different rewards. I like seeing the social dynamics come to play when choosing people to take on rewards. And I feel like we don't get that as much um now than we used to get or like now or that we get in like we still get it in australian survivor and i think that that is while i think it has less to do with actual gameplay as it used to uh i still think it people still get bitter when they don't choose them like i said before this episode started whoever wins this reward is going home because it's happened what like three times so far that the winner went home of this specific family visit um so you know i just i loved this whole like the layout of the episode and i did really like you know seeing a reward challenge back i feel like we haven't had one in a while but i also might be making that up well that's the thing i feel like this whole 90 minute chatter which i'm in favor of i guess 90 minute episodes because i do think there's just not enough room in the current form of the game where we have to go to advantage island so frequently etc and waste time on all of that and so we're not finding out about the social dynamics at camp. Um, and yet we have this episode where we have a reward challenge, an immunity challenge, t- significant time spent at a reward. And I felt like we got a really good dose of camp life. So it's possible. Like it's possible to do in an hour if you set your mind to it. And they just can't do the little twists and turns that they really, really want to, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's okay. <laughs> I think I think I think we're we're fine with it. Yeah, I think it is okay as long as we get all of the content, like both of you mentioned, as well as little things like Danny shadow boxing to try and not get dizzy, his somersaulting, Carolyn screaming. I think we got three separate instances of Carolyn screaming in this challenge, and mm. that's enough to satiate me at least for now. I love Carolyn so much. <laughs> so yes, dizzy challenge, lots of craziness. I mean. I didn't know that hopping or sort of shadow boxing was a way to cure being dizzy. Have either of you heard or tried? Haven't tried it. Maybe it'll be an activity for the weekend. Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. On my to-do list, but only way I know to not get dizzy is to spot. That's the only thing I know. Hmm. What do you mean spot? So dancers, when they like twirl, you you pick a spot to look at. And when you're twirling, you move your head faster than your body. So you like look and your body's moving and you keep looking at one spot. And then when your body turns around, you turn your whip your head around and keep looking at the same spot. And that's how like ballerinas stop. uh, That's how they make it so that they don't get very dizzy. Um, And that's you'll see me whenever they do a challenge like this. I'm screaming at the TV. Why is nobody spotting? Like, God, because it's um, literally I did ballet for like 10 years. But I'll like we that's just what one of the first things you learn is you got to pick one spot and look at it and it helps you not get dizzy. 
Was, no. Do you feel like that was a learned skill that you had to learn over time or did it work immediately? Because I feel like I've tried this before in my life and it didn't work for me. I think it might be a learned skill because you do have to find the spot every right. single time. And so stick you have to, to get it. really good. Yeah, you have to get really good at like finding that same spot. It also doesn't work every single time uh, because I'm not a professional ballerina to my seven-year-old's dismay my not my I don't have a child me when I was seven let me just abundantly clear um uh but yeah so it might be a learned skills it might be a okay but I see people looking down and that's like the way you get the most dizzy if anyone listening to this is on survivor and you do a challenge like this do not look down that's how you throw up later so don't do it or you could just go as slow as Jamie was going yeah really but there's no fun in that I mean, well, and it didn't win her the challenge either. No, it didn't. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> so Franny ends up winning this challenge and gets to go to the sanctuary overnight. And she has to choose three people to go with her. And Tyson has said in the, in the past that now he would opt to not take anyone if you want a challenge. Is it really worth it to argue with Jeff? Because I feel like he's just going to make you choose anyway. It's nice in theory because you know that you'll piss everybody off a little bit, but you won't piss off certain people to an extreme degree. But I don't even think that's worth trying. I hadn't considered this, but I kind of like the idea. I wouldn't say take no one, but take one person and say, Jeff, that's it. We get to make the rules, right? Yeah, I feel like if you're Tyson, you can get away with that. But I think a newbie would have trouble getting away with that with Jeffrey. Like, I feel like Jeffrey would be like, uh, stop production. I'm not going to, we're not leaving into this place until you choose more people. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like a newbie, but I feel like if it's a Boston Rob or a Tyson or a Parvati, they could get away with it. But I don't know that any new person could. Yeah. I think the way to get around that is to make it a big moment. I say, go big. If you can't be one of the big people in the stars, I think they will let it slide. If you make a memorable moment out of it. And if you say, screw all these other people, I'm going, the rest of you can eat rice. I'm eating a four-course meal, and I'm going to be Nalia and bring a mint in my mouth and offer it to you peasants when I get back. Then I think that they would allow that, personally. I could see that. I went the other way. I thought Franny should have or would have given up her own spot. Like, I I feel like I – now, I will say I've never been in the situation of me – like starving and sleeping out in the cold and in the rain. So I don't know what that whole thing is like. Right. But if you, once you hear families involved, I I mean, you're going to see them at the end of this whole thing. Yes. It would be very nice to have letters. And I get that I'm, you know, not hungry and I sleep in a bed and all that stuff. So it's very easy for me to say, but I feel like I would be like, Hey Jeff, I think that there are other people who haven't been on a reward or whatever it is and just give up my spot because I just, I don't know. I feel like this one in particular can really put a target on your back. And I don't know. I thought she was going to give up her spot to Danny. I don't know. Like the whole time I just, I felt like it was going to happen. I don't know why I thought that, but that's kind of what I feel like in a perfect world, I maybe would have done. I think that you would have really wanted the letter from your seven-year-old daughter. So (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I forgot about that. I forgot about the whole daughter of it all. Yeah, you're right. Tough to give up. (laughs) You don't want to look heartless. True, true. Unless I'm the villain of the season, and then I'm okay with it. But imagine her at home watching it. You're right, you're right. God, (laughs) little, little, little 
Sasha. <laughs> I named my daughter Sasha. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. So, the people that she ended up, ended up choosing were Carolyn, Lauren, and Heidi, the mothers. And I think that's a good that's a good choice with a good justification for other people. Because I think back to Survivor Panama when Terry wins a uh, reward challenge and he gets to pick the people to go to the hotel or wherever it was. And Aris is not chosen. And they have a discussion later about Aris saying, well, it would have been my mom. And I'm pretty sure Terry says something like, well, it's different because I got to see my wife and that relationship is different and puts more importance on certain relationships between the contestants and whichever family member they would be receiving love from, whether it be a note or in person. And I always think about that. And I think, unfortunately, maybe certain relationships are seen as more important than others if you don't know someone's life, right? So I think this was a justifiable choice from Brandy. Yeah, it was I thought on paper it's a good choice, but at the same time I was scratching my head a little bit because Danny has a newborn baby. Yeah. And I don't know if he's told everybody there that, like that I'm not clear on. But assuming that he has, I feel like he would have been an obvious choice. Plus, like on paper, he and Franny come from the same tribe. They're in an alliance together. He did recently save her with his idol, so you would think that there's like a little bit of payback there. Um, granted, she was left out of the last vote, so I could see also a little, uh, uh, little revenge maybe from her to not take him. But I thought that, yeah, the the idea made sense. But I did think that leaving Danny out was odd. Yeah, I agree. That's the first thing I thought of too. Is she was choosing all the mothers. And, and I, that's why I thought she was going to give up her spot because the only other person with a kid, forgive, uh, if I'm incorrect, tell me, but it's, was Danny. Cause I don't think, does Jamie have a child? Does Dan, Dan, uh, Jamie have a kid? Not I don't think she does. Of. Right. Carson's like 14. So I don't think Carson has a kid and Jam Jam, I don't think has a kid either. So I think that's why I literally thought that it was going to be a swap. That's the only reason. Cause I thought it was odd. And I, and I just, I thought she was going to choose Danny after she chose Carolyn. I was like, okay, Danny's next. Oh, okay, now Danny's next. And I just was really shocked that she didn't choose Jenny. Yeah, yeah. and I also think she, I mean, easy to say with 2020 hindsight, mm -hmm. but she probably should have stuck by Danny's side. I mean, she spent a night away from Danny, and here Danny was sort of plotting her downfall. Absolutely. But in her defense, Danny did play an idol idol on her relatively recently. So I know things change very quickly. And as Jamie said, it's the era of alliances is over, which well, we can dig into that later. But I would still have a little bit of faith in Danny just because of what happened and the fact that he played an idol on her. But I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But coming out of a vote where she was left out of the vote. Yeah. And I don't know, like, exactly. Yeah, she, yeah, she brought it up and they talked about it for five seconds on TV. But I have to think she was wondering, like, what happened there. And even if she got explanations from them, that's got to be an uncomfortable feeling to be yeah. thinking, well, my closest allies, these people that I've started the game with, Heidi and Danny, didn't tell me who they were voting for. That's concerning. Exactly how Carolyn feels now, too. Yeah. After this episode. 
absolutely. And Danny does do exactly what we said he was going to do. Well, we said in the future, looking at the past, looking at something that happened months ago. But anyway, uh, this did indeed happen. And Jamie and Danny and Jam Jam are all talking about targeting Franny because of her challenge strength and just in general, well connectedness and her abilities. And I can't say this is the most surprising, but my thought also is, okay, so hypothetically, and also in reality, Franny does go, does this just mean that Danny is the next best person to challenges? So he's going to fill that same niche? Is that is that what we believe? I mean, but the only person to have proven that they are good at challenges is Carson, because Carson's the only one that has won an immunity challenge other than it's been, it's been Brandon, Franny. Oh, I guess Lauren's won one too. Brandon, Franny, Lauren, Franny and now Carson. So I feel like Danny's not won a single one from what we've seen. So he, I do think that people are going to pin it on him. Like be like, Oh, he's the new challenge beast. But like, if I were anybody else to be like, what are your stats to back that up? Because he hasn't won a single one yet. This is true. But I also think it could be a case of they're just close. And he has been second in a bunch of these challenges, maybe not puzzles, but I think of like Tom and Ian, there were a lot of times where Tom won the challenge, but Ian could have easily, if Tom had not been there, won the challenge as well. So just probably not the case with Danny because I feel like every single challenge is going to end with a puzzle, especially towards the end, but it could be. But you're right. Stats don't really work in his favor right now. Yeah. Or they work in his favor very well. Like if I were Danny and people would be like, oh, you're the next big challenge, that'd be like, how, where? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about because... Carson's currently wearing the the necklace. I'm not, so. Yeah, that is a good argument. But I think that part of the problem that Danny is going to have is just the physical presence that he has in the tribe. Like, he is visibly jacked. And I think that that's intimidating, especially to the remaining cast, who are all, like, pretty normal-looking people. Um, And some of them, like, actually quite small. And just like can't hold a candle to him like purely physically right and you see that like you see that in camp that's a constant reminder this guy is strong and so I think that works against him but what works in his favor is I don't know if you watched the entertainment weekly deleted scene from this week where they build a bowling alley and I thought that this comment was really interesting I think Jam Jam said it where Danny was going up to bowl and he was like oh I'm gonna do really well and Jamson said, yeah, sure you will, because it's, there's no puzzle involved. And so there is this perception that he can't do puzzles. And so like that could work in his favor that they think, sure, he'll get to the end, but we can always beat him in the great equalizer of the puzzle. Yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly it. Also, fun little thing that I heard on some other podcast, but uh, I love that and I'm kind of obsessed with this. The jury is kind of going in height order. Um, so Brandon is the first person on the jury. So the three tallest people now fourth tallest people. Cause Franny is so tall. Like she's like, I want to say she's like five ten or whatever, uh, which I think is really tall, but, uh, I'm five seven. That's I'm tall. Not, it's tall. Right. So it went Brandon and then Matthew, Matt, and now, and then Kane and now Franny. So it's like literally the tallest people are sitting on the jury. And I think that's a very interesting observation. I forget who made that. Who's made that the up. next tallest? Yeah, who's the next tallest? They're, they're next. Uh, I feel like Carolyn might be a little tall. I think yeah. it might be Carolyn. Carolyn, Jam Jam. Mm-hmm. Carson's safe. 
and I, I believe Danny to be on the shorter side. So yeah, Danny. Yeah, Danny's a bit short. I met Danny. Believe it or not. Really? And how, and how tall are you? And uh, I would say he was like about the same height as me. He might have been like an inch taller than me, and I'm like five six, five seven. Okay. So he's not like super tall. Look at that. I don't know. I hope Carolyn, I hope my, my, my theory gets disproven because I don't want Carolyn to go yeah, home. No, I, do think she I would be devastated. Speaking of Carolyn, we're at the sanctuary. She is eating just to see her enthralled with her food makes me very happy. I noticed also that they didn't cover the food and I know they have to do it for the visual, but just cover it until they get there. Right. Really? The number of flies on that table. Like, are we supposed to, I, I just, and did you guys see the margaritas were watered? They, no ice in the margaritas, just completely watered down. I'm like, this is supposed to be a reward. Like, let's make it look rewarding. Let's not make it look like it's being eaten by a thousand flies. Gosh, sorry. The flies were truly revolting. And I just thought, like, this is a TV show. This is a multi-million dollar production on CBS primetime. We couldn't. Just even like shoo them away for the shot, just the just for the shot, because otherwise the food actually looked pretty appetizing. Yeah, for, the... a, for a survivor reward, like usually it's not so hot, and this actually looked good, but it was covered in flies. Yeah, absolutely yeah. revolting. And the only other time we're supposed to see, well, they don't do it anymore. But the food challenge was synonymous with the flies. You'd see the farfaru, you would see the balut. And those mm. these forms, and you could you could sort of understand that more, which I'm sure I don't know about the far through. I would be interested in trying to believe though, but I could understand that because that was the image they were trying to portray. That was the connotation they were trying to make of the food that it was gross. But this, on the other hand, not very appetizing. That being said, I would still happily eat it. I would yeah. probably still happily eat it now, and I'm not starving. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> So they're reading their letters from home, and I think it comes at the perfect time. And I said this last week as well. I love Lauren so much, and she's such a strong woman. We hear more about her, her life. And as I've said previously, I love when we hear about their lives now, deep into the game. Like day one, and I'll say it again, I did not need to see the pie that Brandon made with the lattice top day one like it doesn't endear me to you i don't i don't care i'm sure it was a scrumptious pie but i don't I, i'm not connected to you so once you've established your story and who you are as a person through the lens of survivor then i'll want to make a connection with you and that's why this is so powerful i think as a viewer to see lauren's story what do you both think i love yeah. that I mean, sorry go ahead sean i yeah i i liked hearing from lauren because we just haven't heard from lauren period i think and so aside from her winning immunity a couple of weeks ago, which was a great moment for her, I've been waiting for her to emerge. And I realized she's been in kind of like a rough position strategically and in terms of the alliances and Ratu sort of getting picked off and not just not having a lot of power in the game. And so it was nice to have this moment from her. I did think if I'm going to, like I always I always have a little, something a little negative to say. It's, people have thoughts on that. But I, I, here's, here, here's how this segment could have been better for me. Why didn't they read their letters? Okay, it's one thing to not to have a family visit. But you, you remember when they would have letters and they would 
pass them around and either they would read them themselves or they would ask somebody else to read them because I want to hear the content of the letters because as much as I got to learn about Lauren and her family and sort of like this story of breaking the cycle of poverty in her uh, family that was great but I would have loved to have like I feel like I almost would have learned more about her hearing what her loved ones are saying to her in a letter um, and so yeah we got snippets we got snippets of the letters but it would have been nice to hear some some of the actual content that's an excellent point I always think back to Pearl Islands and Lil just sobbing as she is trying to get through the letter and that sticks out with me and you're right it would it would not only endear us to them but also hear more about them from another source which i think is very valuable mm -hmm. what do you think Chadwick? well i think moments like i think i i didn't even think of that and now that you're saying this i i it's obvious it's something that i i'm like oh yeah why would they stop doing that because it's not it's a moment right it's almost like you know in final trouble council where where they get up and they have like one question and one question for the for the final three that's a moment like we i think having moments for the show itself is really helpful for us, the viewers, to kind of pinpoint it in our head and be like, oh, yep, that was that moment. And we can kind of go back to that. Um, and I do, because it, it, it's something to attach to uh, rather than it just kind of being a more amorphous thing that's going on. Um, and so I totally, now that you say that, I would have loved to, to hear that letter or any letter. Um, and uh, I, do, I do think that we missed out on a moment. I did love seeing the drawing on mm -hmm. Carolyn's son's letter of the narwhal. Is that what they're called? Narwhal? Yeah. It was a narwhal? Yeah. I think well, it, it was. It had a horn. Or it was like a unicorn or something, but no, I think it was yeah. a narwhal. Whatever it was, it was beautiful. <laughs> so we're back at camp, and or everyone who was left back at camp, and Jamie is telling people, specifically first, Danny, the story of what supposedly happened with her idol. And she's being as honest as she can be, but it just comes off so fake. And I would probably be very skeptical if I was on the receiving end of that as well. And Danny shows throughout the episode that he is not buying what she is selling. So my question is, how, if you're telling the truth, can you be as convincing as possible? Because we don't think about that. We think about... If we're going to lie, how are we going to develop the lie? How are we going to modulate what we say and our body language to make it convincing? But we don't usually think about the opposite because we usually don't think that we have to convince people of the truth. We're not lawyers. At least I'm not. What do you think? Yeah, really good question. And I don't know how you do that. I especially don't know how you do that if you're Jamie, because I think she got herself into a really weird situation with this idol and uh, I was listening to Franny's exit press and and she said something really interesting which was that the reason that nobody believed her was because when she went on the tribe swap from Ratu to Soka that she lied about everything at Ratu. They, she lied about everything that happened at the first tribal council. She lied about the birdcage idol. She lied about all the dynamics and that all came out after the merge and so they saw her as a liar so i think she kind of like backed herself into a, like unfortunately we would never know that without franny's exit interview um but that's really telling and i feel like if you're playing that kind of a game where and, and we did see them actually not believe her after the after she came back from advantage island right so there, there was a little bit of that but 
I, I just feel like if you've set yourself up in that way where there's so many um, identifiable lies to tell the truth, it's, it's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Like you can't, there's only so much you can get away with. But for her, it went off without a hitch in her mind. That's the yeah. unfortunate thing. Yeah, I think the thing is to be the most authentic that you can possibly be uh, when you are telling the truth on Survivor specifically. So my thing is, is like, well, number one, I don't think you should be lying at every turn. I think when you can, I think you should tell the truth so that when you lie on Survivor, it's not like literally, I think the boy who cried wolf is just exactly it. You don't want to be that person who lies, 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 and then finally tells the truth and then no one believes you. Um, but I was thinking about this, like what, how could you get people to convince this? And I think she said it way too late. So when I say like be authentic, I mean, like if I am her, I get back to tribal and I go, Oh my God, Kane. Like first thing Kane left with my freaking idol. Yeah. You know that it's probably a thing you first thing you do when you get back to the beach and they all go, what? And you're like, I am literally so pissed. I thought that there was going to be a knowledge power advantage happening. And obviously there wasn't. And so we did a little switcheroo. Lauren gave me her vote. And I was like, okay, well, if we're doing this, I don't want to keep my idol. So I gave it to Kane and then he didn't give it back to me when he, when he left. So now I'm idolless. Like the way I think you do it is you just, sometimes I'm thinking, I think that overthinking on survivor is what really puts people into a corner. That's why I think that like, um, having all of these really high, like not high, but like people who are so invested in this game can sometimes hurt the show and hurt the game. Like you think about Jacob, right? He went up there. He was, he loved the game so much. And because of that, he overthought everything, Jacob Derwin. And he, you know, essentially got himself voted out because he was just thinking so much. And so sometimes I think you just have to be authentic in your feeling. And if you're going, if you even have the, the, the thought of like, ah, maybe I should tell people this so that they know I don't have an idol. You just got to like run with it. I think if you overthink it too much, that's really what could back yourself in. Because like, if I would be anyone else on that island, I would think to myself, why is she telling us this just now? Why, why is this coming out now? We had all last night, we had all the other, other day to talk about this and it's coming out now. Why? You know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like that would be the thing is you just have to, you know, feel the things and if it's something like you're you just lost an advantage feel it out loud i agree i have one last question on this topic before we move on i feel like it worked against jamie to be so peppy and happy all the time she is the energizer bunny of this season and i'm sure for morale that is wonderful but i maybe it's just because i'm a skeptical cynical person who was raised in new england but I am often very skeptical of people who are always happy, always on. It's like the reverse Brian Heidek, like like uh, too much emotion, so much happy emotion, and it makes me skeptical. So do you either of you think that part of it could be that she was always so happy that sometimes you just felt like she was being disingenuous? Mm, yeah, I relate to that. I feel the same way about people um, that, yeah, there's this really great podcast I, i've had it is it is it called i've had it yeah do you ever see this clips it's the choose women anyway they, they, they talk about i've had it with blah 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 oh. and they just, just did this one that was i've had it with like radical positivity like i've had mm. it and i yeah i feel that way because it, it does come off as disingenuous and i think that 
if like that tied with the fact that they knew that Jamie lied about certain things, then it's like, oh, so like the whole thing is fake. The personality's fake. The stories are fake. It becomes really hard to trust, um, which is really unfortunate because actually, like, I think Jamie is quite genuine. She just told some lies in a game. And it's a shame because I, I think that what we're, I think she is what we're seeing. What we're seeing is what we're getting with Jamie. And so it's working against her, unfortunately, but that could be it. There could be an element of that. I don't know if I actually agree, uh, mainly because I, so I, I, I was very fortunate. I, I met her. Um, and when I first saw her on my TV screen, I thought that she was going to, you know, be all happy go lucky. And then once they cut to a confessional, she was going to be like, ah, everyone thinks I'm positive, but I'm really here to play. But in her confessionals, she was still like all happy. Right. And so I think that it's very difficult to lie about who you are 24 seven. It doesn't really happen that often on survivor. I think there are only a couple of times where people like lie about their job or lie about their age and can get away with it all of the time. And so I, I personally think that that is just how Jamie is all the time. And I think that if you're with her 24 seven, you're not going to think that that part of her personality is disingenuous where I do get that, like in our day-to-day life, because I am someone who has people think that I'm fake like all the time because, or at least it used to be when I was like a, a happier, younger person, uh, people thought I was fake <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and, um, and, and I wasn't, I would, I, that's just kind of how I am and how I live my life. Now I'm not like that 24 seven, whereas Jamie is like that 24 seven. Um, but you know, I, I get when you're like going by about your day when someone's like all happy they you think that oh maybe they're going behind closed doors and then like are like mad or or complaining or whatever it is but on survivor there's really nowhere to hide and there's no closed doors other than your couple of confessionals that you have a day and so i think that like i think her lies did her in more than just her personality i actually think her personality was an asset Except maybe in con- conjunction with the lies that might have been like, oh, you know, people think that that's more annoying. But like, I, I, I don't because you're, you're with her all the time. I feel like that would kind of show that you're that at least that part of her is true to herself. Mm-hmm. But and maybe it comes at the because like us having different perspectives on that, like maybe it depends on who's experiencing that. Right. So if it's like. I don't know who would uh, maybe Jam Jam. Well, no, because Jam Jam's kind of like that too. Um, but who would be there? Let's say Franny, right? Like Franny's a little bit more serious. Um, and she's got a goofy side, but she's a little serious. And so if she's if she's taking in what Jamie is saying and taking in Jamie's personality from a cynical perspective, then that could you know lead to the way that she's uh, that she's reading Jamie. That's a very good point. Yeah, who knows? Maybe years from now, Jamie will just reveal that this has all been an act for, you know, meet and greet um, yeah. on Survivor so that when she plays a second time, she can just, you know, pull the rug right from out of us. So. Yeah, yeah, she's just trying to get a second chance. I'm just kidding. I'd be very calculated and I'd be very impressed. So, on to the immunity challenge. I felt like this was a sort of like cruel and unusual punishment, I'll be honest. And I also don't know what it is with, like, the buoys. If we're going to go with the medieval theme, the, you know, gothic theme that we've sort of seen throughout Tribal Council and 
the buff designs and the immunity idol designs, especially in the pre-merge, you would think that they would try a little bit harder to integrate those themes into the challenges, but nope, it's Bowie City on Survivor 44. Well, yeah, because if you used, what is that called, a mace? That's like the spiky oh, ball? Because yeah. if you use that instead of a buoy, like, you can't repaint that for the next season. You know? But I agree with you. I know. Hard. My environmentalist in, in me uh, is like, I'm so happy they're reusing. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Like, the reuse is number two, and I love that they're doing it. But the person who loves Survivor and, and really wants the show to be the best is like, I... Sean, the thing you have to know about me is I hate all of the challenges. All mm -hmm. of the challenges are copy and pastes of old challenges. Mm -hmm. I think that that is my bathroom break. Like if there weren't commercials, like if Survivor was a movie, the challenges would be my bathroom break because I don't care to see who wins this iteration of the same puzzle piece challenge that we've seen a thousand times. Like it's just uninteresting to me. I um, barely watched the challenges. I got in deep trouble a couple weeks ago because well not deep trouble but on my podcast i was recap i'm recapping this thing i barely watched and you know in the intestinal net thing mm -hmm. where carson's cheering on half-heartedly carolyn i'm like well and carolyn never even got out of the net and it wasn't that just like she she didn't get the noel treatment when she didn't get out of the net and everyone's like she, she cut out of the net like <laughs> did you not watch the challenge and i'm like no i didn't <laughs> well I get it. It's because it's there. They are. I don't know. It's just I feel like there are ways to remember when Jeff let a little little kid uh, or mm. the, the whole show let a little kid like design. A, a yeah, challenge. he broke Missy's ankle. <laughs> um, but like, let me do it. Let me be the little kid. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to break anybody uh, this time. But but I just am like, I think you need to have like a new voice in that room. when Yeah. You're, you know what I mean? But uh, but I I like that they add a different, you know, like thing. Like I think that that going through the sand is probably my second least favorite thing that you could do. First being that net. Um, I think that they're both sound like torture. Uh, so at least that's medieval. They're torturing them. Um, but other than that, I do. I do wish that it was a little bit more on theme. Yeah, I think the only thing that's really kept me watching the challenges have been the farts from Danny and the screams from Carolyn. And awesome. other than that, I don't feel very engaged or attached to any of these challenges. That being said, it ends up being a puzzle at the end. And Danny was in the lead for most of the challenge. And then Carson ends up catching up. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if he said it in the episode or it was confirmed elsewhere that he had 3D, 3D printed this puzzle. Mm -hmm. So it continues. I don't think that, I don't think it was in the show. He tweeted it and I think he Instagrammed about it, but I don't think it was in the show. And I almost feel like at this point, leave it out of the show because it's embarrassing for the show Yeah. at this point. I, I get that when Evie did it in 41, the show might've thought, that's cute. Let's put that in. But when you're three seasons down the line and people are, 3d printing every challenge or buying them on etsy and they're literally the same pieces like it just cut the pieces different then it's a new puzzle at least you can't memorize how to do it and it's good on carson for doing it because if if you're going to play this game and you know it's going to be the same like do everything you can to win it but if you're a survivor you should be going 
oh, there's a problem here. People have figured, people have hacked the game. This so-called great equalizer at the end of the challenge is no longer a great equalizer. It's a who memorized this at home yeah. best. And I think that's a big problem. I think it's great on Carson. I thought I saw a lot of like negative things against Carson on Twitter. And I was like, this is not Carson's fault. Carson did work. Good for him. He he used what he had uh, near him. He he he. It's it's like saying like, oh boo, you like worked out to get onto Survivor. Like you know what I mean. He worked uh, good on him. I don't think it's his fault. I think it is the production of. That's the thing. Just do a slightly different puzzle. It doesn't have to be like a crazy different puzzle that they just completely came up with for the first time. Something slightly different so that. Like I have, I have a couple of puzzles that I have memorized that you put in front of me. I could be sleep deprived. I could be whatever. I could do it in five seconds because I have them memorized. And that's not interesting to watch on television mm -hmm. or if, you know, for any fun thing, it's just, you know, kind of annoying. Not on Carson though. It's on the production. Yeah. Also, they have so many puzzles that they haven't done in ages. Like pull yeah. those out of storage and just at least do those. You know, that actually reminds me I loved the puzzles that were in the water. I know there was one in Palau where they had to rearrange a slide puzzle in the water. Yeah. Why, not, why not do something like that? I don't know. Anyway, there concludes our complaint about the challenge portion of Survivor Social, a, a episodic, episodic. Yes, I say part 10 of the yeah. same thing. <laughs> and so we get back from the challenge and these the minute that i heard this from franny's mouth i knew it was famous last words she said you know i'm sort of excited that i don't have immunity i i get to test myself and i like tests and i said girl i think you might be failing this one yeah it just sounded ominous when it came out of her mouth yeah it did yeah. it really did. It did i was i was very sad in that moment and then i got more hope later on and then i was sad again because at first i think um, Jamie is a target and people are talking, Jamie is talking to Carson and he's afraid that Carolyn is getting too close to Franny. So that's when that switches. But Jamie was a name that was out there. Do we think that Jamie was a viable person to vote for in this round and it would have really done anything in the long term? I don't buy that Jamie is a threat to anybody. I understand that they believe she still has an idol, but I don't find that even really threatening because as we've seen in the past several seasons, having an idol doesn't necessarily mean much anymore, especially if everybody knows you have it. In fact, they often go unplayed or just get played at the final five because they have to be played. And so I don't, th and I don't think that Jamie, I don't think anybody really sees Jamie as like a serious end game threat or even a final three threat. If anything, like, you know, kind of want to sit next to her in the final three. And so I don't really see the threat thing. I get the idea of like eliminating the unknown element of the idol, but I don't think it's enough to disregard the threats of say Danny or Franny. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. The only thing that I could I could think that really was like, oh man, Jamie's in trouble, which I didn't even think at that moment because I didn't know this, was like, uh, like you know, it could be, if you want to like get further in the game, you, you do have to work with people. And if you think that you're working with a liar, uh, that could be a, a problem for you because then you're like, oh, who are they lying to? Who are they whatever? So if you know that they've lied in the past, and I didn't know this until... 
uh, Sean, you said this on, cause I, I honestly hadn't even listened to Franny's exit press. Cause I'm just too sad. Um, uh, so, you know, that could be a thing, but I don't think it's that big of a thing because if you, if you think you can see through somebody's lies, then it doesn't really matter if they're lying or not, because then you feel like you can see right through it. So I think at this point they think that they can see through her, uh, if she's lying. Um, so I, I don't think that she, I think you're exactly right. I don't think that she's a big enough threat to be a issue down the line, but in the moment I was like, oh man, they're going to go for Jamie. But I didn't, you know, the first person you hear is never the person that it's going to be yeah yeah that's true I, I definitely agree with that and i also want to highlight that carson was a great actor in the moment because heidi says to carson and carolyn that danny is gonna target franny and carson has heard like he's never heard any of this information before and like carolyn gets really nervous and flighty and upset and i just appreciate that when it comes down to it carson can keep his composure because I think as a super fan, you come in with these these expectations for yourself of, yeah, I'll be fine, whatever. But when you're in there, like in the moment when someone's staring you down and having an emotional reaction, it, it can be hard to keep your composure. And I just appreciate Carson's ability to stay calm. And I think that proves part of the reason why he's so well integrated and everyone feels comfortable talking to him mm -hmm. at every point. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting that Carson is in the position that he's in and we've never really heard his name thrown out there like that's wild it is so i don't know what he's doing right like i feel like it's almost an intangible thing like it's a vibe he's giving off because it doesn't quite add up that nobody's looking at him as a target because we're seeing as an audience obviously like a potential winner and yeah. nobody else is worried about him true and he's not only is he well integrated and friendly but he's also a student of the game. He's obviously practiced and prepared, prepared an insane amount. He's really good at these puzzles and he's not in horrible shape and couldn't win a physical challenge. I could see him winning a physical challenge. So he is very well-rounded and I don't know why other people are not seeing this and afraid of him. But. I think he's using his age to his benefit um, kind of a thing. I think, I think in this, in this iteration or this season specifically with so many mothers, literally uh, uh, and people who have family, I think that he's using, and I could be completely wrong. I could be completely misreading this, but he is, he didn't lie about his age. I don't think, um, you know, he's, he is, is he isn't the biggest person in the whole world. You know, he's a little bit on the smaller side um, and he, it just, I think he's using that kind of thing it, for his own benefit, uh, which I think is genius. I don't think he's doing it like I think he's doing it on purpose. Like I think he's using his aura uh, and and just his stature and just where he is in life right now to his benefit. And I think he's doing it brilliantly. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I hope that continues for him. We will see. But as we prepare to go to tribal, we see the clip of him and the fire in slow motion like we talked about before very ominous thankfully he's not a target so this doesn't mean anything bad will happen to this tribal but we get to tribal and full tilt boogie is the phrase of the evening and jam jam doesn't know it but i think that's a pretty i think it's a pretty uh common phrase even even though it's probably a little dated i've heard it before but i feel like jeff really felt a strong connection to this phrase Jeff felt a lot of things and 
I know the phrase full tilt. Like, I, yeah, full tilt boogie rings a bell, but yeah. you usually hear full tilt. Like, yeah. I've gone full tilt into something. Yeah. But full tilt boogie, yeah, it's like giving 70s I'm disco boogie, you know? You you love it? Oh, well, I'm just like, I, I didn't think I heard it. I don't think I heard it ever in my life. And it's now my favorite thing that's ever happened ever, period. Um, I think it's I think it's so camp that Jeff, the name of this episode is Full Tilt Boogie and Jeff's the one that said it. Like to me, that is just hysterical. Um, I I don't know why I think that's so funny. It's just, I just think that that's Jeffrey going, ha ha, little pat on the back. Like, I don't know what else the people said, but I just think that he, him naming the episode after himself is iconic and um i think jeffrey is the uh pinnacle of life and i love him so much so wow that is a lot of praise i mean it's surprising to hear jeff say that maybe when he was less stiff physically and had less filler in his face you could see him like bugging a little bit more and perhaps it's also just because of the age He's no longer, you know, as spry as he once was. So he's as spry as he's ever been. You take that back, David. No, I'm sorry. I think I think 2000 to 2005 to 2010, even Jeff could boogie. I could see a lot of boogieing. I'm sure there was boogieing. I've heard that during casting panels, you know, Jeff would go. I think other producers as well would go to hotel rooms and like take shots with the contestants once they were on. So I'm sure Jeff was boogieing. There but, was boogieing you know, at the Survivor Bar in Borneo. The the makeshift ramshackle last yeah. minute. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I believe that. But I mean, I'm going to have to see some Jeff boogieing in the next season. I just don't know mm. what, like, the boogie... Are we talking boogie, like, the dance boogie? Are we talking Mike boogie? No. <laughs> No, my <laughs> because well, I mean, Jeff famously hosted Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Famous, it's not quite boogie. It's more rock and roll, but that's what actually what he's most well known for. Yeah, hosting not Rock and Roll the Jeff Probst show. Oh yes, very, very, very highly acclaimed. Yeah. So also highly acclaimed are are the skills of Jamie to tell the truth and to convince people of the truth, and she again tries to say to everyone and set the record straight that Kane, you know, took the idol and Kane shows absolutely no emotion on the jury. And I'm sure, you know, you're on the jury. You don't want to, maybe he was prompted or everyone was prompted to really not emote or give a big reaction to people who are still playing, but Kane's reaction was, was very stoic. And we also get Danny just looking absolutely just perturbed by <laughs> Jamie's statement. But, it's okay. It, it's me for a park. I'm kind of c confused about this one because they've been really loosey-goosey with the rules for the jury in the past few seasons. Maybe they've shut that down because it's been pretty chill this season besides Matt like lovingly shooting arrows into Franny's heart across the fire pit. But you know, like, you think back to, like, 40... Like, I heard stories from 41 that Jeff had to, like, really scold the jury and tell them, like, you, you need to stop because they, they were chit-chatting. I mean, they remember they were putting, like, subtitles on the jury's chatter during tribal council. And so here, it's either they've told them to stop or Kane is not having it. He is not going to help Jamie in the game. 
for whatever reason. And, uh, but that seems odd to me because you would think that she was an ally to him, but uh, maybe it's just bitter Betty. Yeah, or think... that shot wasn't from when when that was said. That's true. It could have just been added. That's yeah. a very good point. Well, yeah, I I think I just think that like it was just you know he just needed to be stoic and maybe just didn't want to. Maybe he's taking his role on the jury very very seriously. He didn't. No one even had to talk to him. He's just like I won't let you know what I'm thinking or feeling. That's true. Yeah, yeah. and. Then Jamie says that the era of alliances is over. And I feel like if we go with the traditional definition of an alliance, perhaps that era has been over for a while in terms of just fluidity and people being willing to work with all kinds of people come the merge. Because we've seen for many seasons, people willing to shake it up, mix it up, try new things permutations, what have you. And I don't necessarily think that this is a new thing. And, and Jamie, especially, Jamie isn't playing like a super fluid game. She's really just been going between two groups now. Like, I don't really think that she's doing anything super inventive. So for her to say that seemed especially strange. What did you both make of that? I think for her, she was coming to the realization that the era of her alliance is over and now she has a new alliance like that is literally what i think she meant and that's unfortunate but i i like i truly believe that that's what she meant and the thing about alliances being over is like yeah uh i'm i was almost surprised they even included this because it's like we we had we had this moment in season 33 that was 11 seasons ago if my math is correct and we had that whole conversation about trust clusters. Before that, we had voting blocks. Like, it dates back even further. And so the if, if we're talking about the traditional era of an endgame alliance, a final three, final two alliance is over. Yeah, it's been over for a long time. This is not news on Survivor. But it might be news to Jamie. And that's really all that matters. It's Jamie's world, and we're just living in it. Yeah. I... <laughs> would be happy, happy to. Post. I would love to live in Jamie's world. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I thought this was an interesting thing that Jamie said, just cause like I, you know, it just seems like that's just stating the obvious part of me feels like in tribal council, I feel like I would just be feeling air. Cause you know, you don't actually, you can't actually say things in tribal as much as Jeff like presses you nine times out of 10. If you want to keep what you're going, what's going to happen, like, under the radar you can't really say what you're thinking you're feeling and so part of me thinks it was just like her filling time you know what i mean and just the words that came out of her mouth ended up being the end of the alliance era is over but i mean like i feel like there was never an alliance era like i feel i mean that's not true but you know like i just feel like it's been over for quite some time unless she just watched uh heroes versus villains uh but like Australian heroes versus villains and then maybe she was like yeah after the Australian one maybe it is but I don't know I just th thought that it was just her filling filling time and space and the weird thing about this whole tribal the one thing that we actually hadn't talked about is at this point in time I thought Heidi was Heidi was going out mm. because I really thought that that there was going to be some kind of movement because I want to just talk about quickly Carolyn's 
seeming like protection that she wanted to do over Franny just for this one vote, I think I thought it was going to have a lot more power than it actually did. Uh, and maybe the edit got me doesn't always happen, but the edit got me. Um, and I really thought that like Carolyn was going, was gunning for Heidi that moment when it was, who was it? It was Jamie, Lauren, Heidi, or Jamie, Lauren, Franny and Carolyn in a, a circle. I'm pretty sure. And she was like, well, why don't we just get out Heidi? And in that moment I was like, Oh man. And then she actually made some moves to get to Carson and to get to jam jam. And there was at some point where I really thought that it was going to be Heidi. And so this whole tribal I thought was just kind of like putting on airs to make Heidi feel comfortable. Um, but I'm an idiot. So I was incorrect. I but also thought that I thought for sure Heidi was going home. I was like, I can't believe she didn't play her idol. This is yeah. it for her because I thought they can't deny Carolyn a move again. Like yeah. at some point they have to recognize how important this relationship is. They meaning Carson and Jam Jam. And so they just got to give in because we heard Carson say, it would be great for me to get rid of Franny, but it would also be great for me to get rid of Heidi. So like, I, I want, I want both of them to go equally. I might as well just like give a concession to Carolyn and let's get Heidi out. Uh, unbeknownst to them, they'd be eliminating a hidden immunity idol, an actual hidden secret immunity idol. It would have been a really great move. It would have been a great move. And I, I just am low-key a little bit worried for Carson and Jam Jam now because I think Carolyn's like, especially for Jam Jam, like burn, like turn on me once, shame on me, turn on me twice, I guess still shame on me, but turn on me three times, shame on you. And I, you know, I, I'm going to actually do something because I feel like Carolyn has played such a good game where people, it might not be fun in the moment where people underestimate her. Um, and I, I honestly think that Maybe not purposefully, but I, I I kind of think that Carolyn or Carson and Jam Jam are kind of underestimating her social abilities. Um, and I and I and I'm and I'm a little worried for them both because I don't know that Carolyn is going to be okay with this at all. She might play it off, but I don't know. It could be like a Liz 2.0. Yeah, revenge arc. Mm -hmm. What do you think, David? I. I think so. I think it's going to be just like Ozzy for revenge, basically. I don't think it'll be quite as clunky, but we'll see. Carolyn is unpredictable in a lot of ways, and as long as it's entertaining, I am excited and ready for absolutely anything that she will throw at us. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Sean, Heidi does not play her idol. It ends up being a five to two to one vote. And Franny goes and you can see Matt's face and it's just heartbreaking in so many ways. But the good news is they'll be able to see each other at Ponderosa very soon. And I'm not going to repeat what, what Marianne tweeted, but um, I, I think that uh, Rob Sesterino's quote on All Stars about Robin Amber is probably very applicable in this situation. But anyway, Carson, Danny... Jamie, Lauren, and Jam Jam all vote for Franny, and Franny and Carolyn vote for Heidi, and Heidi votes for Danny. So, interesting breakdown of the votes. And in eighth place, Franny joins a squad of very memorable people like Shan, Hi, Noel, All Stars, Kathy Vavrick O'Brien, Dina, and Karishma. So, she is among greatness in eighth place. As she, de as she deserves to be. I'm a Franny Stanny till the end. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've seen the last of Franny. No, gosh, no. I don't think so either. And 
we are going to prepare for award season right after this ad and we will see you very soon and we'll be giving out awards for butterflies and struggle bus drivers and lots of good stuff so be right Hi, Survivor Now podcast listeners. I am Katie from KT Designs, better known as Katie Tedesco Art on both Instagram and Etsy. I have been designing and selling Survivor products for over seven years at my Etsy shop, including replicas like hidden immunity idols and Survivor trading cards with all of the players' stats on the back. I am so grateful for Survivor Now for giving me this shout out and helping me reach even more super fans. I love listening to their podcast. So if you are looking for some really unique reality TV products for yourself or to give a super fan in your life, come check out my Etsy shop at www.etsy.com slash shop slash katietedescoart.com. Uh, no. Sandra was talking last week about how she had some of the playing cards, and those look so detailed, and I kind of think I might splurge on them. Yeah, they're so cool. I definitely need some. I've got buffs, but I need, like, more other buffs and puzzles, but I need more memorabilia. And now it is time to the most glamorous part of the evening. It's award season, and now we are going to award the Social Butterfly Award this week to the player that we feel played the best socially. So as our guest, Sean, I would love to hear what you think and who deserves this award. <laughs> like, I wanted to say Franny almost, uh, but obviously not because like, I do think that she picked the right people for the reward, but okay. But we can't pick Franny because she lost. So she didn't play that great socially. Uh, who played the best socially? I think that, okay, I'm going to go for an outlier. I'm going to say Jam Jam, and I have reasons, because I thought that that scene was interesting when he was left out of the reward, and he was talking to Jamie, and then he cried about not being on the reward and talked about his husband. And you had just, like, little micro moments in there where Danny's asking him about his husband, Jamie's kind of the shoulder to cry on. It told me something about the personal relationships and emotional relationships that he's making which i find are actually like hard to discern sometimes in the new era of survivor and so i got little glimmers of that it was interesting that he got a backstory when he wasn't on the reward about family so like that's just a little like edgy tidbit and then to see like yet another scene where he and Carson are strategizing and talking about how to manage Carolyn almost as their third wheel um that i thought like i because i was sort of curious well what is the longevity of the relationship between carson and uh jam jam and it seems to be going the distance and so for all those reasons plus all of his antics during the bowling i'm going to say jam jam this week that's a great pick jam was i supposed to go on for that long or just say a name no that's <laughs> That's wonderful. And I especially appreciated that explanation because I did not pick Jam Jam. And honestly, any reason to pick Jam Jam for anything positive, I'm always an advocate for. So I was very, very happy to hear that explanation. But I think I'm going to have to give it to Carson this week because he just stays so well connected. And I don't know, I'm just very impressed by his ability to have a good poker face while also, yeah, being the go-to person for everyone i still feel like even though the game is very fluid and 
Tika is technically sort of still in the middle. Carson is the go-to person when people want to talk to the Tika members. And I still, I still think that is true. I think those are two very great points. Um, but I think that I, I think that Carson's, and this is more strategic than social. I think Carson's has kind of come to a head right now. And I'm worried about his game moving forward, which isn't really social. It's more strategic. Um, but because of that, it's why I didn't cho choose him. So I'm not really following our rules. So I'm really sorry, but I kind of think like, I, I, I personally think it's Carolyn. Um, I do think that like, you know, obviously she was trying to protect Franny and that did not work out. Um, but I do think that like, there was a moment in which I don't know. See, then I just talked to myself out of it because then Carson and Jam Jam were like not really needing her thinking that they could deal with her later. I don't know. I know. I think I'm going to go with Carolyn and I'm not going to give you a reason why I just feel it in my bones. Okay. Carolyn, no reason. Moving on. On the opposite side of the spectrum, we have the driver of the social struggle bus. John, start us off. I'm going to say Danny. Uh, I originally thought Jamie, but I'm switching to Danny. Switch my vote. Uh, I would say Danny because of specifically his comment to Heidi, where he said, you know, we're voting Franny out. We don't even need your number. FYI, this is supposed to be his number one in the game. And so I think that there are a lot of moments. This is one that illustrates that. He's just doesn't have the finesse when it comes to social relationships, because I actually think their relationship is fine. It's just you could deliver that message a little softer than he did. And look what happens. Heidi votes for him. Heidi votes for him at Tribal Council. It's not just because of that, but it certainly doesn't hurt, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you encapsulated all of the points for Danny, and I completely agree. I think that he's going to look back at that moment that he said that to her and probably regret it if he doesn't already. And yeah, I'm also going to award the, the social struggle bus award to Danny this week. What about you, Tegwith? I third that. And, and you took the words right out of my mouth. I, I think that, you know, exactly. There's nothing else to add. It's Danny, unfortunately for Danny. Well, ja Jamie, Jamie can get, some, we can give Jamie an award. That's true. Let's let's create a special award just this week for Jamie. What would we like to entitle said award? Sean, as our guest, I think you should name Oh my god, I just had the idea. I didn't want to like uh, do the creative bit. Um, let's see. Well, she, the, I mean, the, the point is she's not reading the room, right? What are the names of the other awards? Struggle Bus. And Social Butterfly. Oh, okay. So they don't all have to do with buses. Mm -mm. <laughs> we're very bus. We're pro bus on this show. Yeah, we I like love our, a bus. Don't our public transit. Yes. I don't know how it is in Toronto, but that's all. I, do you think I want a car here? No, never. I'm all <laughs> buses. It's buses and streetcars. Um, I I don't know. I, I something about reading the room. The eyes closed, queen. Yeah, eyes closed, queen. <laughs> yeah. Closed eye, closed eye queen. Do you think that's better? More like I don't spy. Mm, now we're getting somewhere. I don't spy queen. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Well, whatever, whatever name. Spy don't lie. 
Ooh, that's good. No, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> These eyes don't lie, but the words out of my mouth still sound like lies. <laughs> that's Something. good. I actually like that. I think that's the award. Right. Yeah. If well, there are any other ideas, let us know in the comments. Yeah. Uh, because I, but I don't know if you can beat that last one. Thank you. I, quite frankly, I don't remember what I said, but whatever it was, we're going to give it to Jamie. And yeah. yeah. That is great. All right. We are going to round out this episode with two or three questions sent in. Tedwith, are you able to pull those up and facilitate yeah. that for us? Yeah. So we have one from Leop Leopold Films. Uh, this one's from Instagram. Uh, they ask, is the Survivor Sanctuary getting old? It is the only location for rewards. Sean, what do you think? I don't think it's getting old because it's changed. In 41 and 42, it was kind of that little hut thing. Uh, and I miss that they, they were projecting video onto the structure, right? I miss that. But uh, I don't think that it's old. Definitely, it could use a bit of sprucing up. But, you know, they put the cactus on it this season. I liked that. That was a nice touch. Uh, I'm not over it, but I'm am curious about the, the sleeping situation because they talked about the cover and the beds and all that. We don't we don't see that ever ever, and so I would like a little more information on that. Yeah, what about and you? Where's the flag? They've lost the flag, the sanctuary flag. I don't remember their big flag. There was in 41 and 42. There was sort of like a waving sanctuary flag. I think the flag cheapened it for me. I think the fact that, you know, we, contestants used to be helicoptered to locations. Yeah. And, you know, we talked with Todd a couple of weeks ago about the reward on the Great Wall of China. So mm -hmm. I'm sorry. As a whole, the, the sanctuary does not impress me very much. But I do think that it is a nice reward. If you just look at it in the context of the game and had no other knowledge, did they judge it up a little bit this week? Absolutely. But... I still feel like they could try and integrate Fijian culture into it a little bit more. So you're a survivor sanctuary. That don't impress me much. That don't impress me much. <laughs> I I do agree. I, I do think, I think getting, I just wish that there was more, I mean, I, I'm a broken record. I think that there just needs to be a little bit more like diversity in what they do and where they go. And I think that like, it doesn't necessarily, it's the same place. Like I'm 99% sure, I'll need to lower that. I'm 79% sure that that was the same place that they went with Brandon and Carolyn and Danny. And it's not necessarily that it, I really care what the place is, but if you think about it, like there are, I mean, Fiji's beautiful, right? They could boat to a different island with a waterfall and go swimming in like a little waterfall thing. Like there are rewards that, like it's not just a, like I don't understand why they can't go to another place it must have something to do with production costs or whatever it is. Um, but I don't know. I'm happy that we got to see a reward and I think that they enjoyed the food and all of that was lovely. Um, but I do think that there are ways that they can, it doesn't seem like rocket science. Carson doesn't have to figure it out. Like I feel like I can figure it out. You know, it, it can be like something a little bit more inventive with an activity. Um, something that can just be memorable and not just like, Oh, we had this meal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. Show us Jack and Jill again, like on South Pacific. Or, Jack and Jill. Yes. Bring us to um, a ramshackle club so we can see Jeff boogie, because I'm still skeptical about his boogie abilities. But yeah, 
I like your maybe idea. it does take Carson to figure it out. And next season, he should 3D print <laughs> the new Survivor Sanctuary. There we go. Bring just put Carson on the payroll. Yeah. Yeah. It would be sturdy. I believe it would be safe. What's our um, next question, Tegra? All right. So we have another question from Too Many Advantages 44. This one's another one from Instagram. They ask, What was Danny thinking calling Heidi worthless to the vote to her face? Do you think his game is, and then there was a going down emoji? Hmm. Plummeting. Yeah, plummeting. I don't think his game is plummeting. I think it's sort of at the same place it's always been. And I do think people are treating him like a goat a little bit. Um, because I think there is like a certain power to not being totally socially aware and it can get you far in the game. And it doesn't always mean that you're going to lose the game, 43. And so like, there is some precedent for it being like not the worst way to play. Is he conscious of any of that? I don't think so. And what was he thinking? I think he genuinely meant no harm by it. I think he meant, I've already got the, what he should have said was, I've already got the votes locked. It's Franny period hope you vote with us walk away mm -hmm. yeah that would have made her feel more reassured and given her the invitation if she desired but yes given her some security that you know what well we we have it anyway and you can jump on if you want but yeah the delivery was just horrible we learned a lot from from danny's uh poor delivery yeah, I feel like it's just wording. Wording is everything. And um, and honestly, we might also be seeing one specific thing that he said. And there might have been like there might have been something cut out of the edit. Because one thing I just want to quickly say, if people didn't see this, while people are at the sanctuary, Danny found a hidden immunity idol that, well, he thought it was a hidden immunity idol and then talked to Jamie. And then she realized it was actually a fake hidden immunity idol that Brandon hid. Um, I don't know why I brought that up. But I... Just like, I think that with Danny, it just is like, there could have been something that he went back and he was like, I just, you know, maybe he came back and was like, I just meant like, this is what I meant, whatever. And we just saw what we saw. But I just think that that specific wording was very brash and like, like very like too much. Um, and I felt really high on Danny when he saved Franny. I thought there was like some good momentum in his social game. I thought there was some good momentum just at all in that in that episode. And then I think it's been going down since then. I thought, you know, it kind of peaked in that episode for me personally. Um, so I don't know. I I do think that people are kind of seeing him as somebody that can he can they can just take along to the end. I also could see Danny like being good at final trouble council and like explaining his case and people thought that they could beat him and it ends up that they couldn't like i could actually see that happen i think i've told something else this before i would be okay with pretty much anybody winning a season at this point like i'm not mad i wouldn't be mad if danny won i wouldn't be mad if jamie won like would i prefer other people yeah but like i could still i would still be okay with it yeah same yeah i'd have to agree with that who's our next question from all right We've got another question from uh, Yasser Ice Queen uh, and from Instagram. Uh, they asked, um, who's been your favorite, specifically for you, Sean, who's been your favorite interview on Drop Your Buffs? Oh, that's a great question. It kind of like changes every time I do an interview because I always love the latest interview that I've done the most. So uh, 
like you, uh, we just had Todd Herzog on, and that was a long, long time coming because our second ever interview was Courtney Yates, who was like, I was truly starstruck uh, by her because she's so iconic and so important to me and like my survivor history. And ever since that time, we've been promising to get Todd on, and finally we did, and he delivered uh, so wonderfully. And so that one was great. But honestly, like, I really loved our first, because we've had Jerry Mantheon twice, and our, our first conversation with Jerry, I think I really, really loved that interview because I truly don't think that she understood at that time how iconic she is still. I think she knew how iconic she was at one time, but I don't think she understood. She she had never been told before that she's a gay icon. Like she truly didn't know that. And she was like mind blown to the point where she like continued talking about it with us after the interview where she was like, what does that like mean? Do I have to do anything? Uh, <laughs> um, and statement ASAP. Yeah. And she told us like, just like so much, she remembered so much and had so many feelings and reflected really sweetly on her relationship and how it changed with Amber over the years, because of course they were like best friends and like closest allies in Australia. And then they play all-stars together. Amber goes on to win all-stars. She never heard from Amber again. And so there's just like a lot of great little tidbits in there. And I, and I noticed that I don't want to take credit for this fully, but like, I noticed that after we interviewed her, she's changed her personality to be about Survivor again. And she's really like leaning into that side of her. And I think that that's exactly what she should do. And I think she's realizing the power she has in that, in the Survivor community as like an, a legendary icon of years past. So I would have, I'm going to go with Jerry. I'm going to go with Jerry. That was a really long answer. Great answer. I love Jerry. Jerry's definitely one of my favorite players ever. Uh, I'm obsessed with her. So that's so cool that you guys talk to her. Yeah. Um, do we have time for one more question? Yeah, let's do it. I got one more on TikTok from Aurora. Um, and they asked, uh, do you think Danny, he, Danny is playing wild slash less, less social now because people wanted to vote him out. So he's trying to seem less intimidating or not someone that people want to vote out. No. I think this is just Danny, and I think this is just, he is a full tilt boogie kind of guy, and I do not think that he is thinking that many layers deep. I'm, I don't mean that in a mean way. I don't mean that in a condescending way. I just don't think that the, that's the game that he's playing. Yeah, yeah, he's been up to this for a long time, right? I mean, like, when he was guiding Matt to the key to the birdcage idol is the same as he has been idol hunting both on the show and off the show in deleted scenes like he's making he is unapologetically uh i don't want to say obnoxious is a strong word but you know he's just unapologetically out there and i think that that's okay and he's like not necessarily uh that concerned with how he's being perceived it seems and i don't think he ever has been yeah, I, I agree with both those things. And then just, I know I said one last question, but this, this is the last one. I think we'll, we'll, we'll kind of do the whole thing because I think it's good. Uh, Haley asks specifically, because I thought Franny was going to win. So she asks, who, uh, who is your guess who the winner is now that Franny has gone to me because I thought Franny was going to win. But what, who do you think the winner is now left in, Sean? That's a great question because Franny was my winner pick. Uh-huh. So I think the safe option is to say Carson, but I'm actually going to say Carolyn because I just think 
Well, my concern with Carolyn is that I don't know if enough people in the game respect her enough to vote for her to win in the end. But I do think there's a world in which she pulls off an incredible final tribal council and convinces the jury to vote for her over a Carson, let's say, who could be sitting next to her in the end. Um, She's got a little more life experience, more to speak to, more to reflect on. So it's not impossible. And I just feel like the content they're giving us, and I know winner's edits are kind of a thing of the past now. I mean, look at Gabler, look at Erica, but... I just feel something about Carolyn and that she's still in the game and that we're now potentially in revenge arc territory. I think it's really looking up for her. David, what do you think? I agree about Carolyn, but it's contingent upon next week. I think next week's just gameplay in general is going to dictate how the rest of the game goes for Carolyn in a very serious way, because I don't think people are going to take her seriously unless she takes her game to her own hands, which she has proven that she can do, especially in the pre-merge. So I'm going to tentatively, hopefully, cautiously, optimistically say Carolyn. Yeah, I think it's I think it's Carolyn. And this is my little uh, guess for what guess what's happening next week. I think Jam Jam is going home next week. Um, this is my little, I think Carolyn is going to be fed up with what happened with Jam Jam? I think she's going to gun for Jam Jam over Carson. Oh, no. uh, and I think Jam Jam is gone next week. And I think that Carolyn is going to win the whole thing. I remember talking to somebody about they were worried because Carolyn was getting such a big edit. Uh, David, it might have been you. I can't remember who it was. Um, and I kind of was like, well, I think that Carolyn would get a big edit no matter what. If she was the first person voted out or the winner, because that's just who Carolyn is. Like, I think that we would see a lot of her even if she was not a very good player. And I think that she is a very good player um, because she just is somebody who says iconic things like the third turd or the time when she was like going through her, her son's poop or, or, you know what I mean? Or like by Felicia or like, I'm, you know, I'm Felicia kind of a thing. All of those things I think are very iconic. And I think that she would get a big edit no matter what. Um, And, and I think, yeah, I think it's going to be her watch her go home next week. No, don't put that out there. I think it's Jam Jam. I think Jam Jam's going home next week. Okay, don't put that out there. (laughs) Thank you all so much for tuning in to Survivor Social. And a special, special thank you to Sean Ross for joining us. It was so great to have you and to hear your insights. We hope to have you again. And yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And I'm sorry, like... I, I'm notoriously long-winded on my podcast and I'm looking at the runtime now of this. Oof. Like the, the great thing about my podcast is I can edit it so I can like shut myself up. But I'm s- thank you for having me and thank you for like letting me talk. John, where can we find you just on Drop Your Buffs? Uh, is that like your Instagram or how can we find you? Uh, yes. So you can find Drop Your Buffs on anywhere you get uh, your podcasts. We're called Drop Your Buffs, i.e. Survivor Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at Drop Your Buffs Pod. Or we just started a Twitter, which I'm like mm, dipping my toes into, at Drop Buffs Pod, because it's too long to say Drop Your Buffs Pod. Uh, so Drop Buffs Pod on Twitter, at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you again so much, Sean. And thank Thank you you again, everyone, for listening. And we hope to see you all next week. And make sure to send in your questions if you'd like to at survivorsocialpod at gmail.com. And we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.